0: We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi the first piece in Hilchus Roteach. This is Perak Aleph Halacha Tess. And this is one of the best known and most widely discussed pieces in the entire Sefer. Along with the first two pieces, it's probably in the top three most famous pieces in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi because it's about the issue of abortion and how the Rambam understands the status of the fetus. So this is a very widely discussed issue, abortion, and many poskim are specifically concerned with the view of the Rambam, and this is one of the major sources in the Rambam for what his view is. It's also a very problematic Rambam, so Rab Chaim's interpretation of this Rambam is very important to the overall discussion. So we're going to go through the piece in Rab Chaim, see how he explains the Rambam, and then afterwards we'll go through the broader context of what the debate between the various sides is, and how Rab Chaim fits into the overall debate, and some other explanations to resolve this Rambam. The basic halacha is that in general you can't just kill a fetus for no reason, but if the mother's life is in danger, so there's a clash between the fetus's life and the mother's life, so then the fetus gets aborted. The issue with the Rambam is how he formulates this halacha. The Rambam writes There is a rule that we don't protect a rodaif. So if someone is trying to kill someone else, we kill the would-be murderer and protect the victim. So that's the mitzvah of a rodath to kill someone trying to kill someone else. Now based on this, in a case where a woman is having difficulty giving birth, so the woman's life is in danger, so then we abort the fetus, either with a medicine or even by hand, because the fetus is like a rodath. So since the fetus is creating a danger to the mother's life, it gets the status of a rodate. It's like the fetus is trying to kill the mother. So that's why we kill the fetus. The imi shahotzi rosho, but this whole halacha is only when the fetus is inside the mother's body. If the fetus put his head out, so he's already started coming out, then ain no then we don't kill the fetus, even though he's endangering the mother's life. She'in doch nefesh mipnei nefesh because we don't push one soul in front of another one. So in general, we don't kill one person to save another person. So here we have a clash between the baby that's coming out, the head has already come out, versus the mother's life. So we're not able to choose. So we allow the baby to keep coming out. Out even if the mother dies. Vzehu shel Olam. And that is the way of the world, says the Rambam. So not only don't we protect the mother at the cost of the baby's life, but that's the nature of things that sometimes childbirth is dangerous and the mother dies, and we don't intervene to save the mother's life at the cost of the baby's life. So that's the way the Rambam presents this whole halakha. There's a distinction between if the baby's head has come out or not, if the baby is entirely in the mother. So then we would kill the baby to protect the mother's life. But once the baby's head already came out, we no longer intervene. So Rab Chaim asks that there's a major problem with the formulation of the Rambam and he references that others have already asked this including Reb Kiva Eger in his commentary on the Mishnah in Olos Rabbi Shaya Pick Berlin wrote this question to the Note of Yehuda in Choshen Mishpat, Simon Memtes, as well as the Chavos Yair in his Chuvah on Abortion, Simon Lamed Aleph so they all raise this question The Rambam's formulation seems to contradict the Gemar in Sanhedrin Dafa'in Be'ez Amrav Huna Katan harodef nitan latzilo Bin. Show. Rav Huna said that even if a child is a rodef, so the rodef is not an adult, they're a child, still we kill them to protect the victim. So Rav Hista asked Rav Huna from the Mishnah in Alos that if the baby sticks their head out, even if it's threatening the mother's life, we don't save the mother by killing the baby. Now here we have a child, this little few minute old baby, who's now threatening the mother's life so they're a Rodaith and the Mishnah says that we do not kill the child so that contradicts Rav Huna's ruling that even a child who's a rodef we kill so the Gemara answers, "Shiny mi That case is different because that baby is not intending to kill the mother. It's from heaven that the mother is in danger. So since this is like a natural process that the baby coming out is threatening the mother, but it's not the baby's intention to kill the mother, so that's why we don't kill this baby. But a regular child who is actually intending to kill someone, so they become a full rhodafe, so then we do kill them to protect the victim. So that's how we square Rav Huna's ruling with the case of the Mishnah because Rav Huna is referring to a child who intends to be a rodef, as opposed to the case of the Mishnah where this baby is not intending to harm the mother. It's just happening from heaven. So now the Rambam himself references that line in the Gemara at the end where he says, Zehu tivo olam, this is the way of the world. So that's the Rambam's reformulation of what the Gemara said, Mishamaya karad, The Gemara said that it's coming from heaven, and the Rambam puts that in slightly different language, that it's the way of the world. Meaning it's a scientific fact that childbirth can be dangerous, but the key point here is that this baby is not intending to harm the mother. So the Rambam quotes this distinction in the Gemara, but now we have a real problem. Why then does the Rambam say that if the baby didn't put its head out, so it's a fetus inside the mother, that we kill it because it's a rhodafe? It's the same logic. Since the fetus is not intending to hurt the mother, it shouldn't become a Rodaith. So once the Rambam said that a baby is not a Rodaith because it doesn't intend to kill the mother, the same should apply even to a fetus totally inside the mother. It's not intending to harm the mother, so it should not have the status of a Rodaith. So the Rambam contradicts himself by applying the status of Rodaith to a fetus inside the mother. Now, even though the Mishnah itself differentiates between whether the baby's head came out or not, but Rab Chaim says there's a simple explanation for the Mishnah's distinction. If the baby's head hasn't come out, so then we would say it's not really considered a nefesh, which is what Rashi and Sanhedrin explains. That when the fetus is inside the mother, even though it's not a rodef because it's not intending to hurt the mother, but it's also not a nefesh, it's not considered a real soul. So if there's a clash between the mothers life versus the fetus's life. So the fetus is on a lower level. So we kill the fetus to protect the mother. But once the head comes out, so now it becomes a full human being. It has the status of a regular nefesh. So now the clash between the mother and the baby is between equal souls. So we're not going to intervene to save the mother's life. So that's a simple explanation for the distinction in the Mishnah, and that's how Rashi says it. But the Rambam doesn't explain it that way. The Rambam explains the first halacha that we kill the fetus to protect the mother because the fetus is a rodef. So now we have a major problem. Why then don't we protect the fetus's life based on the rule that he's not intending to kill the mother? So there's really a double question on the Rambam. First, if the Rambam is going to say that a fetus threatening the mother's life is considered a rodef, so what happened to the principle that since he's not intending to hurt the mother, we don't consider him a rodef? which is the Rambam's explanation himself for the halacha where his head came out. Second, once the Rambam applies this rule that the fetus doesn't intend to hurt the mother, what's the difference between whether the head came out or not? The head coming out shouldn't affect whether they're a Rodaith. According to Rashi's view, it makes perfect sense why the head coming out is the distinction. Because since the issue here is whether the fetus is considered a full soul, so the answer is that it's not until the head comes out. But, According to the Rambam, that the whole issue centers on whether the fetus is a rodent. So, what difference does it make if its head came out or not? Either it's a rodent or it's not. But either way, it shouldn't depend on the head coming out. And again, as we said, the Rambam seems to differentiate that the fetus is a rodent, whereas once the head comes out, it's not, because that's the scientific way of things. But what's the difference? So, Rab Chaim begins his explanation and he says that the whole point of a rodeif, the reason why we kill a rodeif, is only to protect the victim. It's not that the rodeif deserves some sort of punishment that we give them. It's only purely to protect the victim from being hurt. And the proof for this is the Gemara in Sanhedrin Ayn Dalid. Rabbi Yonason ben Shaul says, shayar achar Silo be'echad me'evvarav. There was a case of a Rodaif and in order to stop the situation, someone would be able to hurt the Rodafe so that they wouldn't be able to continue chasing this person. And instead, that person killed him. So they had the option to either disable the Rodafe or to kill him, and they chose to kill him instead. So he says, Nerug olav, the person who killed the Rodaif gets killed because they're a murderer. So he's saying that if there's another way to prevent the Rodaif, you have to do that and you can't choose to kill him. So that shows the only reason there's any leniency to kill a Rodaif is purely to protect the victim, but not to choose to punish the Rodaif. So this is different than the general halakha. In general, we don't save one person at the cost of another person. But the rule of Rodaif is an exception that in this case, we do save the victim's life at the expense of the Rodaf's life. So here the Torah introduced a new idea that when there's someone chasing someone else to kill them, we kill that person in order to save the victim, even though in general we don't intervene and save one person at the expense of another. But now Rab Chaim wonders, because when someone kills a Rodaf, they're doing two things. Not only are they killing the Rodaf, they're also saving the Nirdaf, the victim. So Rab Chaim wants to know, is the saving the victim in this case part of the regular halacha that we have all over of pikuach nefesh that we always try to save a life whenever possible. So too in this case saving the victim is just the regular old halacha that we save lives. It has nothing to do with the special halacha of a rodath that we kill someone who's trying to kill someone else. Or is even saving the victim in this case a part of the whole special halacha of rodef? In other words, included in this new original halacha is not only that we kill the Rodaith, but also that we save the Nirdaf. So saving the Nirdaf in this case is not a result of the regular halacha all over that we try to save lives. It's a special unique halacha that we save the life of the Nirdaf the same way there's a special unique halacha that we kill the Rodaif. So Rab Chaim proves like this second formulation that saving the Nirdaf is a special halacha included in Rodaif because it also applies to non-Jews as well as Jews. Because the halacha that the Gemara derives. This whole halacha from is shofech dam haadam ba adam damo If someone is trying to kill another person, so we kill them. Now that pasuk was said to Noach. So it doesn't only apply to Jews, it applies to non-Jews as well. So clearly we see that this whole concept of Rodaf applies to non-Jews. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin Nun Zion says the same thing. It applies that this rule, that if someone could disable or kill a Rodaif and they choose to kill them, they get punished for murder, it applies that same halacha to a non-Jew killing a non-Jewish Rodaif. And the Rambam in quotes it. So again, we see that this whole halacha of Rodaf applies to non-Jews. Now, Rab Chaim says there is no halacha of pikuach nefesh when it comes to a non-Jew. So the fact that there's a halacha to protect the life of a non-Jew who's a nirdaf means that that's a unique halacha. It's not part of the regular halacha of pikuach nefesh that we have all over. It's a special halacha not only to kill the rodef but also to save the nirdaf. And another proof to this whole idea is because the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Ayin Gimel, derives the whole rule of rodef not actually from a case where someone is trying to kill someone else, but rather from a case where a man is trying to rape one of the prohibited unions. So he's chasing after her in order to have relations forcibly. So there we protect her by killing the rodate. So now, obviously, that case has nothing to do with the regular halacha of Pikuach Nefesh. So we see from this case of Arayos that saving the victim is a special halacha that's included in the whole concept of Rodaith. So the same is true where someone is trying to kill someone, that saving the victim is a special halacha that's part of the whole concept of Rodaith. So now, based on this, says Rab Chaim, we could answer the first part of the Rambam. Why did he feel it necessary to say that a fetus in the mother is considered a Rodaith. So the answer is, says Rab Chaim, because the Rambam believes that even a fetus has the status of a nefesh. It's considered a soul. So when there's a clash between the mother's life and the fetus's life, we can't just kill the fetus to protect the mother. So if the issue here was a regular pikuach nefesh situation, that we're trying to save the mother, in that case, we would not be able to kill the fetus, even though it's to save the mother, because since they're both equal souls, we don't save one at the expense of the other. So the regular halacha of pikuach nefesh is not going to help us in this case. We need to apply the rules of rodef because that's the only way to explain why we kill the fetus because once we say the fetus is a rodef, so now it kicks in the whole framework of the halacha of rodef. So now we do save the victim, which is the mother, at the expense of the rodef's life. So that's why the Rambam holds the only way to account for the leniency to commit abortion to save the mother's life is only to apply the halacha of a rhodafe that we save the mother's life at the expense of the rodef's life, which is the fetus. But otherwise, if it's just a regular issue of pikuach nefesh, so the fetus is also considered a soul and we're not going to save the mother at the expense of the fetus. Now, where did the Rambam get this idea that a fetus is considered a full nefesh? So in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim explains, because the Gemara in Yuma Pehe derives the concept of pikuach nefesh, that we violate the rules of the Torah in order to save a life from the Chai The Torah says that you should live by them, but not that you should die through the mitzvahs. So in general, except for the three cardinal sins, we violate the rules of the Torah in order to preserve a life. Now, anything that's included in that rule rule of pikuach nefesh, that we violate the rules of the Torah in order to preserve the life, is considered a nefesh. So this is a very important point that Rab Chaim is assuming, and we'll see afterwards that it's controversial, but Rab Chaim basically says that the definition of a nefesh is anyone that we would violate the rules of the Torah. So let's say we would violate Shabbos in order to save this person's life, that indicates that they are a nefesh. Now, the question is, do we violate the rules in order to save? a fetus. So the Gemara in Yuma Pebeiz has a case, ubera shehericha ma'achilinosa at A pregnant woman who smelled food on Yom Kippur, and now there's a danger. So the halacha is that we violate Yom Kippur and she can eat. The question is, who has the danger? So there's a debate in the commentators if the woman herself is in danger, or if the fetus is in danger. In other words, the mother is going to be fine, but she might lose this pregnancy. Says Rab Chaim, according to the view that the fetus is in danger and still the halacha is that we violate Yom Kippur in order to save the fetus. So now we see that even to save fetuses, we violate the rules of the Torah. So that means that the fetus is considered a full nefesh in terms of pikuach nefesh. And again, that was Rab Chaim's point earlier that we're not just going to kill the fetus to protect the mother unless the fetus is considered a rodath. And now Rab Chaim adds, even if the Rambam is of the other opinion, that we don't violate Yom Kippur or other rules of the Torah in order to save the fetus, only to save the mother's life, even so we could say that the bar for Pikuach Nefesh is higher than violating the Torah. So even though a fetus does not meet the criteria to violate the rules of the Torah in order to save, but still we can't just kill a fetus to protect someone else because it's enough of a Nefesh that we don't kill it in order to to save someone else. So Rab Chaim entertains the idea that violating the laws of the Torah requires a higher level nefesh than killing this nefesh to save someone else. But all of this is sort of theoretical because this is all dealing with an actual fetus during the pregnancy. Once the labor actually starts, so the Gemaran and Zayin says that then the baby is considered like its own independent life, and we certainly violate Shabbos for that baby who's about to come out. And the Russian Yuma also says that in such a case, even though the mother's definitely going to be okay, we violate Shabbos in order to help this baby. So once the babies are already in labor, it's considered as if it's born, as if it's a life. It just needs to come out into the world. So even if someone were to argue that an actual fetus during pregnancy is not considered a soul, but once the labor begins, that fetus is now considered a soul and certainly it can't be killed to save someone else's life. Now, the case over here is clearly where she's in labor because that's how the whole situation started. The labor is going badly. So, of course, we're not going to kill the fetus to save the mother unless, as the Rambam said, the fetus is a rodef, and then we're able to kill him in order to save the mother. So, so far, Rav Chaim's explained why the Rambam went down this route to begin with. Because since he holds that the baby here is considered a nefesh because it's about to be born, so we're not able to kill the fetus in this case just to protect the mother, we have to say that the fetus is considered a Rodaif and then the whole framework of rodef kicks in that we're able to prioritize the Nirdaf, who's the mother, over the rodef, which is the fetus. So this explains why the Rambam did not interpret the Mishnah along the lines of Rashi. But still we're left with the original questions, which are what happened to the Gemara's idea that since the baby doesn't intend to harm the mother, he's not considered a Rodaif. And second, why does that principle only kick in when the baby puts his head out not when he's inside the mother So to explain this, Rab Chaim makes two assertions, which he doesn't really back up, but he just states them. Number one, he says, is that even if we apply the idea of Mishamaya karadfila, that this is just the way of the world, the fetus doesn't intend to harm the mother, it doesn't mean that he's not considered a Rodaith at all. He's still considered a Rodaith just of a different sort, a lower level of Rodaith. So the rule of a Rodaith who intends to kill the victim is that we kill the Rodafe in order to protect the victim. But the rule of this second type of rodaf who does not intend to do anything, it's just happening on its own through nature, so even though that's still considered technically a case of Rodafe versus Nirdaf, but we don't prioritize one life over the other, so we're not going to save the Nirdaf at the expense of the rodaf. So that's what the Gemara meant to answer in the case where the baby stuck his head out, that in that case, we don't kill the baby, not because he's not a rodeaf at all. He is still technically a rhodafe and the mother is still technically a nearduff But since the baby doesn't have any intention to harm the mother, so he's the lower sort of rhodafe, so we're not going to kill the rhodafe in that case to protect the mother. So that's why we don't intervene. Now back to the first case, where the fetus is in the mother, so there, even though he's a rodaf, now obviously he's of the lower sort of rhodafe, because he's not intending to harm the mother. So now the question is, why do we intervene in that case and kill the fetus to save the mother? So Chaim explains, since, as he just said, the fetus is still considered a rodate even though he's not a malicious Rodaith, but he is an unintentional Rodaith, so he's considered a Rodaith, and the mother is the Nirdaf, but now Rab Chaim introduces his second assertion, the mother is a Nefesh HaGamor. He calls the mother a full soul, the implication being that the fetus is a partial soul. So even though throughout this piece he's been saying that according to the Rambam, the fetus is considered a Nefesh, now Rab Chaim differentiates between two different types of Nefesh. There's a full nefesh versus a partial nefesh. So the fetus that's in the mother is a partial nefesh. So combined with the fact that this fetus is a lower level rodate and he's a partial nefesh. So that's why we kill the fetus to save the life of the mother, who's a near duff, and a full nefesh as opposed to where the baby stuck his head out now he becomes also a full nefesh and since he's an unintentional rodef, so we're not going to kill him to save the mother so this is Rab Chaim's explanation for the Rambam's formulation and it doesn't contradict the Gemara and Sanhedrin the Rambam holds that anyone that's causing the death of someone else is considered a rodef, regardless of whether they intend to or not the only difference is that an intentional rodef gets killed to protect the victim, but an unintentional one does not have that rule, so we don't kill the rodef to save someone else. But there's also a distinction between different types of souls. So someone that's already born is a full nefesh. A fetus is a partial nefesh. So putting this all together, it explains what the Rambam is saying. The fetus is always considered a rodef when it endangers the mother, but it's also always considered an unintentional rhodafe. So ordinarily, we would not kill the fetus to save the mother. But since the fetus in the mother is just a partial soul, so that's why we allow the abortion to save the mother's life. But once its head comes out, so then it's a full nefesh. It's an unintentional rodate, as the Gemara said. So that's why we don't kill the fetus to save the mother. So this explains the Rambam's framework for these halachas. Now, Rab Chaim in this piece raises a lot of important issues and other commentators have different perspectives on a lot of them. So we're going to go in order through some of the major issues in this piece and what others have to say about it. And then at the end, we'll come to the overall issue of abortion and where Rab Chaim stands on that topic. So now the first thing Rab Chaim addressed in this piece is how to define the halachic category of a rodaif. The halacha says that if someone's trying to kill someone else, we kill the rodaif. So Rab Chaim wanted to understand the basis of that rule. Now there would be two ways to explain that halacha. One is that the point of killing the rodaif is to save the nirdaf. So we want to save the victim. The other way is that killing the rodaif is a punishment. Just like a murderer gets punished with the death penalty, even though it won't bring back the victim, so too a would-be murderer also gets punished with the death penalty. So Rab Chaim is very clear that he follows the first formulation. The point of killing the Rodaif is to save the Nirdaf, and his proof is the Halacha that if you can save the Nirdaf by disabling the Rodaif, then you're not allowed to kill the Rodaif. So that seems to indicate that the only reason to kill the Rodaif is to save the Nirdaf. There's no element of punishment here. Now, in the back of the r olam. Edition of Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi they quote from the Sefer Ha HaTalmud on Ksubis from Rab Abba Berman that he questions Reb Chaim's approach because he points to another halacha which does indicate that there's an element of punishment and that is Kamle the halacha is that if a Rodaif damages something in the midst of being a Rodaif he doesn't have to pay the financial damages and the reason is because since at that moment he's able to be killed so for any action which warrants the death penalty, the person does not have to pay damages. We don't give two punishments for the same action in halacha. So since this Rodaif could be killed, he does not have to pay the damages. So Rabbi Abba Berman says that this seems to indicate that there is an element of punishment to killing the Rodaif. Now, it's very interesting in the Sefer Emesli Liakov from Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky on Sanhedrin Ayin Dalid, they bring there an article that Rabbi Yaakov wrote touching on these issues. And in that article, he quotes this idea from Rab Chaim but either this Sefer wasn't published yet or he didn't have access to it because he doesn't quote this idea from the Sefer he quotes what he heard in the name of Rab Chaim and the version that he heard differs on some key points from what's printed in the Sefer the key thing that Rab Yaakov Kamenetsky says is that according to Rab Chaim there are two reasons to kill a rodef: one is to save the Nirdaf and the other is punishment for the rodef. now in the case of a fetus who's an unintentional Rodaif. So, Rab Chaim says there's no element of punishment, only saving the Nirdaf. So, that's the version that Rab Yaakov heard and what's interesting is that while in our printed version, Rab Chaim immediately says that the whole point of killing the Rodaif is to save the Nirdaf, in Rab Yaakov's oral version, he suggests that there are two elements to it and that's the key concept that the whole approach is built on. So, there is an alternative way to formulate this This approach in the Rambam which is effectively the same as Rab Chaim's without saying that the only reason to kill the Rodaith is to save the Nirdav. Now sometimes when someone quotes Rab Chaim orally and it's off from the Sefer so you're not sure if Rab Chaim at some point changed his mind so he had originally said it one way and then he changed his mind later and wrote it a different way or if there was just a misunderstanding not that Rab Yaakov had the misunderstanding but whoever reported it to Rab Yaakov whatever chain of events there was From Rab Chaim to Rab Yaakov, at some point someone misunderstood something. But in this case, Rab Chaim's own student, Rab Isra Zalman Meltzer, in Evan HaAzal, so he also quotes this orally in the name of Rab Chaim. He did not hear it directly from Rab Chaim though, but he heard it in the name of Rab Chaim. And his version is very brief, so it's hard to figure out the details. But it seems to be similar to the one that Rab Yaakov quotes. Now, maybe Rab Yaakov got it from the Evan HaAzal, but either way, we have two Sfarim that are recording an idea. Name of Rab Chaim, which differs on this point from the way it's printed in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Halevi. So that's an interesting point to note about this whole discussion. Now, Rab Abba Berman raises another issue with Rab Chaim's analysis, and that is the second point about this Rab Chaim makes. Rab Chaim says that the reason to save a Nirduf is not because of the general halacha of Pikuach Nefesh that we try to save anyone's life whenever we can. The reason to save a Nirduf is a special halacha that. ...derives from the case of Rodaf. So the Torah said, kill the Rodaf and save the Nirdaf, which is a different concept than regular Pikuach Nefesh. And Rab Chaim has two proofs for this. First of all, because saving a Nirdaf applies to non-Jews who do not have Pikuach Nefesh. And second, because we derive the whole concept of Nirdaf from preventing Arayos. And that's not a case of saving someone's life. It's a case of preventing the Rodaf from doing the sin of Arayos. So we see that this is a different concept... From regular pikuach nefesh, it's a concept of saving the nirdaf. So, Rab Abba Berman raises a question against this, but now that we have the marginal notes of the chazon ish, so we see that the chazon ish had already asked this. And that is, the Gemara in Yuma Pei Hei discusses what the source for the halacha of pikuach nefesh is. How do we know that we always try to save a life? And one of the suggestions the Gemara gives is from the halacha of Rodaith since we see that we save a nirdaf, so we learn from there pikuach nefesh. So how could it be, says the Chazon Ish, that these are two different halachas, that saving a nirdaf is a different concept than pikuach nefesh, when the Gemar itself says that we could learn out pikuach nefesh from saving a nirdaf. So that certainly seems to imply that these two concepts are the same thing. Now, Reb Chaim's oldest grandson was named Reb Moshe Salavechik, not to be confused with his son with the same name, and the grandson Reb Moshe studied under the Chazon Ish, and then he spent his adult life mostly in Switzerland. So he wrote three longer articles defending Rab Chaim's analysis from the Chazon Isha's questions. The first two are on the first two pieces in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, and the third one is on this piece. And these are collected in a Sefer collecting his divrei Torah called the Ha'ish Moshe Chelek Bez. Now, Reb Moshe Salavechik deals with this question, and he points out that, in fact, the Gemara in Yuma does not refer directly to the case of Rodaith. It's actually talking about a similar case called Bob Teres, which is a case where a thief breaks into something someone's house at night. So the Gemara says that that's basically a case of a Rodaif because the thief knows that if the owner wakes up, he might end up killing him. So the owner is considered a nirdaf, and the thief is a Rodaif. So the Gemara in Yuma suggests that as one of the possible sources for Pikuach Nefesh, since we save the life of the owner of the house by killing the thief, so we derive from there Pikuach Nefesh. Now, Reb Moshe Soloveitchik points out that even though in general machteres and Rodaif are considered basically equivalent cases and they certainly have a lot of similarities but there is a key difference in the way the Rambam presents these two halachas. When it comes to Rodaif the Rambam says that there is a mitzvah to kill the Rodaif in order to save the Nirdaf. As opposed to Baba Machteres the Rambam says that the owner or someone else has the right to kill the thief. So if they kill the thief they won't be held responsible because they were saving the owner's life. But he does not say that they have a mitzvah that they're obligated to kill the thief. So there is a key distinction the way the Rambam presents these two halachas. And based on that, says Rabbi Moshe Soloveitchik, the case of Bob Machteres is not a classic case of a Rodaith and a Nirdaf. So even though the Gemara says that Bob Machteres, the reason we kill the thief, is because of regular pikuach nefesh to save the owner of the house. But still, when it comes to actual Rodaith, even though they're very similar, but there are some key differences... So in a classic case of rodeif when someone is chasing someone else to kill them, saving the Nirdaf in that case is not regular Pikuach Nefesh. That's a different concept, as Rav Chaim said. So the Gemara only compares Bob Machteres to a case of Pikuach Nefesh, but it doesn't compare a regular situation of a rodeif and a Nirdaf to Pikuach Nefesh. Now, obviously, the Chazon Isha's question is based on the assumption that Bob Machteres and rodeif are effectively the same thing. So that's Rav Moshe Soloveitchik's suggestion to defend Reb Chaim's analysis. Now, the Chazonish raises another issue, and that is Reb Chaim assumes that there is no pikuach nefesh for a non-Jew. And the Chazonish questions that because the halacha is that a non-Jew can worship idolatry in order to save their life. So that certainly sounds like there is pikuach nefesh for a non-Jew. And Rav Shach in Avi Ezri, Hilchus Roteach, Perak Aleph, asks the same question. Now, Rav Moshe Soloveitchik attempts an answer, but it's not clear to me what he's trying to say. The truth is that this issue, whether there's pikuach nefesh for a non-Jew, is a long discussion in the Minchas Chinuch, Simon Reish Tzad And he quotes that the Mishnah Lamelech in his Sefer, Prushas Drachim, Drush Beis also deals at length with this and has a debate with the Marash Yafed, the Yopheh Torah, and the Medrash Rabbah over this issue. So the Prashat Zedrachim seems to assume that there is no mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem when it comes to a non-Jew. So a non-Jew is not obligated to give their life rather than do idolatry, adultery, or murder. So according to the Prashat Zedrachim's setup, it's almost as if there's more pikuach nefesh for a non-Jew than a Jew, because a Jew has to give their life rather than violate those three- 3 mitzvahs, whereas a non-Jew can violate even those 3 mitzvahs in order to save their life. Now, the Prushas Drachim himself raises this issue that maybe there's no Vechai so there's no basis for the non-Jew to violate any mitzvahs in order to save their life. Because maybe Vechai only applies to Jews and not non-Jews. So that's Rab Chaim's view, and the Prushas Drachim himself raises this possibility, but he does not seem to go with that in the end. He seems to follow the idea that Vechai applies to equally to Jews and non-Jews, but the idea of Yaharik Val yavar is specifically for Jews. Now, the precious drachim does have a debate with the Maharashi Yofe. According to the Maharashi Yofe, as we just said, a non-Jew can violate any of the three cardinal sins, murder, adultery, and idolatry, in order to save their life. But the precious drachim differs on one detail. He agrees that a non-Jew can violate adultery and idolatry to save their lives, but he does not think that they can violate murder, murder because murder is based on a logical idea of my chazis, who says whose life is more valuable. So if there's two people whose lives are in the balance one person can't save themselves at the expense of another person. So the precious drachim argues that that equally applies to a non-Jew as well as a Jew. The other two mitzvahs adultery and idolatry are derived from sukkim that there's a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. So that does not apply to a non-Jew. But murder should apply equally to a non-Jew as well that they're not allowed to kill someone to save their own life because who says that they're worth more than the other person? Now, the Minchas Chinuch asks on the view of the precious Drachim. if so, why is there a rule of Rodaf when it comes to non-Jews? And he goes through the same sources as Rab Chaim. We see from the Gemara in Sanhedrin that it's allowed to kill a non-Jewish Rodaf in order to save another non-Jew who's a nirdaf. But why should that be allowed when the whole basis of killing the is is prioritizing one person's life over the other. And according to the Prashas Drachim, we don't do that with regards to non-Jews. So the Minchas Chinuch answers exactly as Rab Chaim said, that since the source for the concept of Rodeith is Shopech Dam Ha'adam Ba'adam Damo O'Yishopech, a Pasuk which was said to Noah. So that's how we derive that this concept of saving the Nirdaf through killing the Rodaith applies also to a case of non-Jews. So that's how the Minchas Chinuch understands this, that the the basic setup for Jews and non-Jews when it comes to the issue of saving one person at the expense of another is the same. In general, we don't do that. But in a case of a Rodaf chasing someone else, the Torah gave special permission to kill the Rodaf in order to save the nirdaf. And then right after that, the Menchah goes into the discussion of abortion to save the mother's life. And he quotes the view of Rashi that the fetus is not a full nefesh. And then he asks the question that everybody's asking on the Rambam that Rab Chaim, deal- with why the Rambam formulates this in such a different way. So that's the Minchaschinoch's perspective on this issue. So it sounds like the precious Drachim, which is the Mishnah Lamelech, as well as the Minchaschinoch, overall agree with the view of the Chazon Ish that Pikuach Nefesh applies to non Jews just like Jews. And when the Torah said that you can kill a Rhodaf. To save the Nirdaf, what it's saying is that you can prioritize the life of the Nirdaf over the Rodaith. But it's not saying that there is no regular Pikuach Nefesh for the Nirdaf. So those are the two perspectives on this issue. The view of the Chazon Ish seems more in line with the Precious Drachim and the Minchas Chinuch versus the one of Rab Chaim. Now, the next major assumption of Rab Chaim is that he says wherever one would violate Shabbos or Yom Kippur or other mitzvahs in order to save the life of the fetus, it would also be prohibited to kill this fetus. Now, this assumption makes a lot of sense because if someone is violating mitzvahs of the Torah in order to save the fetus, then it certainly makes sense that they can't just kill it. What's the point then of violating Shabbos or Yom Kippur to save something that doesn't really have a status in halacha? So this assumption is also in the Chavos Yair, in his chuva, which is one of the earliest chuvas on this topic, and he raises some of the same problems as Rab Chaim, including this question on the Rambam, so he also makes this assumption. Now, the problem with this assumption is that there are many poskim who are fairly stringent when it comes to violating Shabbos or Yom Kippur for a fetus. And the Magnav Ram in Simen Shin Lamed Sifkat and Tesvav goes through this. He believes that it's a debate between the Rush and the Ramban whether one violates Shabbos to save a fetus, unless it's at the very end and the baby is basically formed, so then everybody agrees that you would. But during the pregnancy, the Rush says that one violates Shabbos to save a fetus, and the Ramban disagrees. Now it's interesting, there's a third view of the Bahag and he's very lenient he believes that you even violate Shabbos to save a fetus in the first 40 days. So according to Halacha the fetus is not really formed at all until the 40th day but according to the Bahag even so you would violate Shabbos to save a fetus before the first 40 days. So there's an interesting debate about this whole issue and Rab Chaim himself references it. It's the same debate about whether a woman could eat on Yom Kippur to save her fetus but the Mug Avram seems somewhat stringent about this. He seems to be following the view of the Ramban. The Bir Halacha at the end of Simon Shin Lamed has a piece disagreeing with the Magnav Ram, and he rules the way we're familiar that we violate Shabbos even to save fetuses. But either way, this is a debate whether we violate Shabbos to save fetuses. So if the whole issue of abortion hinges on that, so then there's going to be a school of thought that seemingly allows abortion, or at least does not see it as a very serious offense. So it's unclear how helpful this assumption is that we apply the rules of violating mitzvahs to save fetuses to figure out the rules of abortion. Now at the end of the piece, Rab Chaim's approach to explain the Rambam is based on this distinction between two types of Rodaif. One is an intentional one, one is an unintentional one. And then he further distinguishes that a fetus is considered a partial nefesh as opposed to someone who's born who's a Nefesh Gamor. So as we mentioned, these ideas seem fairly speculative. They do make sense of the language of the Rambam, but it's unclear where Rab Chaim got some of these ideas from, and he doesn't offer any proof to back them up. So a good number of commentators raised this issue. The Chazon Ish in his marginal comments, as well as Rabbi Iser Zalman in the Evan Ha'Azal, so they raised the issue of where did Rab Chaim get these ideas from. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky in the Emesli as as well as the Chazon Ish in his marginal comments so they point out that this doesn't fit great in the language of the Rambam or the Mishnah because the Rambam seems to imply that this is a regular case of a rodef, and the Mishnah seems to imply that we do the abortion in order to save the mother not because the fetus is a rodef. So there's some literary problems with this explanation. The Sriday Ish also has an amazing tshuva about this in Chelek Aleph Simen Kuf Samach Bez and he references Rab Chaim's approach and his comment on it is even though Rab Chaim's explanation is logically brilliant it's hard to fit this into the language of the Rambam this is one of the Sridah Aisha's common critiques of Rab Chaim he thinks that the ideas are very brilliant but it's hard to read them into the Rambam the ode in addition he asks how did the Rambam know that there are two types of Rodeif and how did the Rambam know that the reason the Mishnah allows the abortion is because the fetus is considered a Rodaif? Why didn't the Rambam just explain it very simply like Rashi, that the fetus is not considered a Nefesh, especially because at the end, Reb Chaim himself says that the fetus is a partial Nefesh. So why not just explain it along those lines to begin with, to make things simple? So that's the three-day Aisha's reaction to Rab Chaim's approach that it's very creative ideas wise, but it has some problems fitting into the sources. So these are some of the issues that are raised against Rab Chaim's explanation. So now we're gonna step back a little bit to the broader issue of abortion to see the different views and how Rab Chaim fits into this. So there are two major schools of thought in halakha regarding the severity of the prohibition of abortion. One is very stringent and one is more lenient. Now, the difference between them is everyone agrees that it's prohibited to do an abortion for no reason, what's called abortion on demand. Likewise, the other side of the spectrum, every everyone agrees that if the mother's life is in danger, then certainly it's permitted and obligated to do an abortion, which is the Mishnah that we saw throughout. So those are the two extreme positions in America today, the secular position that abortion on demand should be allowed versus the Catholic Church's position that no abortion is allowed even if the mother's life is in danger. So Halakha rejects both of those. The secular position is based on the idea that a fetus has no status as a human. The Catholic position is based on the idea that a fetus is a full human. And as we've seen throughout, halacha rejects those two extreme positions. So halakha is somewhere in the middle. The fetus does have a status, but it's not that of a full human being. The question is, where exactly does halacha fall down on this issue? The key debate regards a case where there's going to be serious damage to the mother, but it's not life endangering. So let's say the mother is going to suffer a major psychological toll, but it's not going to endanger her life, so does halacha permit an abortion in that case? So this was a major debate between two schools of thought. Reb Moshe Feinstein was the spokesperson for the more stringent view, and the tzitz Eliezer was the spokesperson for the more lenient view. Reb Moshe's tshuva is an igris moshe chylek beiz of choshen mishpat simon samech tes, and he keeps reiterating that abortion is a form of murder. It's not a full murder because there's no death penalty in halacha, but it is a form of murder. So according to Rab Moshe, the reason why abortion is prohibited is because it's killing the fetus. So it's a form of killing a partial person. So that is prohibited. Now, based on that, Rab Moshe concludes that even to prevent psychological damage, it's still prohibited to do an abortion. And this strict understanding of abortion is also the view of Rav Unterman, the chief rabbi of Israel, quoted in the Sri as well as the view of the rugged shover Which is quoted by Rabbi Vady Yosef In his Chuva Yabiyah Omer Chelek Dalit of Eben HaEzer Simon Aleph And he also points out That the Meshech Chachma And the S'chusei Davram They both say that even though There's no death penalty for abortion But there is Misabidei Shamayim There's the heavenly death penalty So that again indicates That this is considered a form of murder So there's a very strong school of thought Again led by Rabbi Moshe Feinstein that abortion is a form of murder. Again, it's not as severe as actual murder, which is the Catholic Church's view, but it's less severe than that, but it's still a form of murder, and therefore it's prohibited even to avoid major psychological damage. Now, the other school of thought that's more lenient is headed by Rabbi Eliezer Waldenberg, the Tzitz Eliezer, in his Chuva in Chelech Tess, Simon Nun Aleph. He has a long discussion of all these issues, including about abortion, and he was the Rav of Share Tzedek Hospital in Yerushalayim. So he was a big expert in medical ethics. And the Tzitz Eliezer believes that abortion is not a form of murder. It is prohibited, but it's not because of murder. And in fact, he struggles to understand what exactly is the source of this prohibition. And this is also the view of the Sri Deish in his Chuvas, Chaylik Aleph, Simon Kuf Samach Bez. He likewise does not think this is an issue of murder, but he also tries to figure out what exactly is the prohibition and some of their ideas which they get from earlier commentators are that it might be Hotzas wasting seed or it might be damaging someone you're not allowed to damage yourself or someone else so those are some of the ideas they put forward but again according to their view this is not an issue of murder it's an issue really of financial damages that you're harming the fetus And this is almost based on the Torah itself, because the Torah has a case where a man hits a pregnant woman and causes an abortion, and the punishment is not death, the punishment is to pay the damages. So you see that abortion is a financial issue and not a capital offense. And they quote this proof from the Ramban, from the Yad Ramah, as well as from the Sma in his commentary on the Shulchan Arach. So basically, there's a strong argument to be made here that the Torah itself differentiates abortion from criminal cases, and instead it puts it in the category of financial damages. So that's the overall view of the Tzitz Eliezer and the Day Eish. Now, Reb Chaim's view seems very much in line with the Reb Moshe Feinstein view, because Reb Chaim, throughout this whole piece, discusses abortion as a form of murder. And he keeps talking about the pikuach nefesh of the mother versus killing the fetus, and then he calls the fetus a partial nefesh. So Reb Chaim seems very much in line with the more stringent view, that the issue of abortion is murder, not financial damages. And in fact, Reb Moshe, when he quotes Reb Chaim's approach in his chuvas, so he doesn't go into the details of it, but he just says that Reb Chaim has a very nice approach in Chidush Rabinu Chaim HaLevi, which makes a lot of sense for Reb Moshe, because he agrees with the general outlook of Reb Chaim that abortion is an issue of murder. On the other hand, the Sri Eish, as we saw, he disagrees with the overall outlook of Reb Chaim, so that's why he tends to disagree disagree with his interpretation of the Rambam and he offers a different one instead. So how a possek feels about abortion if he's in the stringent versus lenient camp is going to affect how he sees Rab Chaim's approach, whether it's convincing or not. So now we'll see some other approaches to explain this Rambam. The note of Yehuda was asked this question by Rabbi Shaya Berlin in Choshen Mishpat Mahadura Etinyana Simen Mem Tes. Why does the Rambam need to say that the abortion is allowed because the fetus is a why not just say simply because the mother's life is more important. So we kill the fetus to prioritize the mother. So the note of is fairly dismissive of this question. And he seems to take a very stringent view of abortion. And he basically says that you're not just allowed to kill the fetus, even to save the mother. And he compares it to a trefa, someone who's not going to live for very long, but you're still not allowed to actively kill them. So the same thing says the note of is with the fetus. You can't just kill it even to save the mother and he adds that even those who hold you can't violate Shabbos to save the fetus but you still can't kill it. So this is the issue that the Chavos Yoyer and Rab Chaim raised what is the relationship between violating Shabbos to save the fetus and the prohibition of abortion and this is the exact idea Rab Chaim suggested in this piece that even if you can't violate Shabbos to save the fetus you still may not be allowed to kill it to save the mother. So that's the Note Huda's explanation of the Ram Rambam, and it puts him in line with the stringent view of Rav Moshe Feinstein, but it doesn't resolve all the details of the question on the Rambam. Now, Rav Chaim Ozer and his Chuvus Achiezer, Helek Gimel, Simen Ayin Bez, Os Gimel, so he limits the application of this note of fairly substantially. Rav Chaim Ozer believes that the Notabuhuda only applies once the labor started. So the baby's in the process of coming out, so that's where the note idea that you can't kill the the fetus to save the mother, if not that the fetus is a rhodafe, that's where that applies once the labors started. But earlier in the pregnancy, before the babies started to come out at all, so then Rab Chaim Moser argues that even according to the No Yehuda, to save the mother's life, you can do an abortion and you don't need the reason of rhodafe. So if we use this model to explain the Rambam, it means that in the first case where the labor started, but the head hasn't come out. So that fetus is considered enough of a baby that you can't abort it to save the mother, if not that it's considered a Rodaith. But earlier in the pregnancy, before the labor started, so then you could do an abortion to save the mother's life even if the fetus is not considered a rodaf, and how this answers the second part of the Rambam, that when the head came out, the baby's not considered a rodaf so that he doesn't really get into. So that is one approach to explain the Rambam. Now, the Tzitz Eliezer is bothered by the implication of the Rambam, because the Rambam seems to say that if not that the fetus was considered a rodaf, we would actually allow the mother to die rather than do abortion. So that goes against his whole view that abortion is a financial issue, or it's a minor prohibition, but it's not a form of murder. So how could we allow someone to die rather than do this prohibition? So the Tzitz Eliezer tries to explain that even though that's what it seems like on the surface of the Rambam, but that's not how the commentators understand it. And he quotes a Sma on Shulchan Aruch Choshen Mishpat Simon Hey Ches, where the Sma writes that the reason we do an abortion to save the mother's life if the head hasn't come out is because the fetus is not really considered a nefesh. It's not considered a person. So the mother's life has priority over the fetus. And then the sma continues with what I mentioned earlier, that since the Torah said the punishment for abortion is not the death penalty, it's financial. So that shows this is not a form of murder. It's a financial issue. So the tzitz Eliezer is obviously happy with the sma because he's taking the approach of the tzitz Eliezer. But it seems like the tzitz Eliezer thinks this could even fit in to the Rambam and that I don't see how it could be because the Rambam explicitly said the reason we allow the abortion to save the mother's life is because the baby is a rodef. So the Sma does not seem to fit into the language of the Rambam at all. Now there is a way to explain this Rambam even within the perspective of the Tzitz Eliezer and this he quotes from the Tiferes Tzvi who was also asked this question by Rabbi Shaya Berlin and he gave a different explanation of the Rambam and this is also what the Sriday Esh himself said suggests. And that is the halacha is, it's prohibited to save yourself using someone else's property. Now, what exactly this means is not totally clear, but the basic understanding is that if I use someone else's property, so I steal from them in order to save my life, I have to pay them back. So according to the halakha, if I damage someone's property while saving my own life, then I would have to pay them back. But if I damage someone's property while saving a near duff, so if as part of killing the road, I damage someone's property, then I do not need to pay them back. So that's what the Rambam is trying to say over here. That if there were damages, in the process of the abortion to save the mother's life, you would not need to pay the husband. So there's no financial damages in this case because this is a case of Rodaith. It's not that we need that in order to allow the abortion. The abortion is anyways allowed in order to save the mother's life. But the reason the Rambam adds in that explanation is to say that the person who does this abortion does not need to compensate for any financial damages like the regular halacha of saving a near-death. So this is a reading of the Rambam that's very much in line with the overall view of the Sri Deish and the Titz Eliezer, that abortion is not an issue of murder. It's a financial issue or it's prohibited for other reasons, but it's not about murder. So this is a way to read that into the Rambam so he's not Totally contradicting that. Now the Tzitz Eliezer says that no commentators understand the Rambam as saying that abortion is actually murder, and of course Rabbi Moshe Feinstein disagrees with that. He himself says that even though the other Rishonim seem to say that abortion is a form of murder, but it's not actual murder. The Rambam himself holds that it's full murder, and this is based on the Rambam we've been analyzing because he seems to say that ordinarily you could not do an abortion even to save the life of the. Mother, if not that the fetus is a rodate. So it sounds like, if not for that, the fetus and the mother's life are of equal value, meaning the fetus is considered a full nephesh. So killing it would be like murder. So Reb Moshe considers this Rambam in the very, very stringent view of abortion. And with regards to how to explain the details of how the Rambam fits in with the Gemara. So again, he refers to Reb Chaim and then he has his own explanation. But along these lines that the Rambam is saying that there's a serious issue of murder when it comes to abortion. So this is some of the debate surrounding this Rambam as well as Reb Chaim's approach to interpreting the Rambam and how these two schools of thought that see abortion in halacha very differently how they each try to make sense of this language in the Rambam.